Uh, hi, everybody. This is Laura Mines, and um, this is my very first ever podcast. So um, I'm hoping that I won't make too many mistakes here as I'm trying to figure out um, what I'm doing. <laughs> um, today is January the 12th, 2021. Um, so most of my most of the conversations I'm going to want to have um, will be about horses, horse training, things that I've learned, experiences that I've had. I'm going to share with you, um, like if I'm, you know, working with Artie and teaching her a new trick or any of my horses, um, I'm going to, you know, my goal here is to share those experiences with you um, and kind of my thought processes and hope to hope that that helps you in some way if, if you're a horse person. And honestly, um, I really think that that it helps in, with life. Um, it just helps you, or it helps me anyways, um, draw parallels with life. And, um, you know, a lot of the lessons that the horses teach me, I'm trying to make a better and more conscious effort to apply those in, in life and other areas. Um, so um, I wanted to start a podcast just to, you know, have another way to reach my audience. Um, I am no longer on any kind of, well, I'm not on Facebook. I had a Facebook page um, that showed a lot of the the projects that I had done with the horses, both in film, um, some of my training videos and stuff were on there. So my goal this year is to really do more podcast, um, more blogging, vlogging, um, and really amp up my YouTube channel. And um, this is a big year for me. Um, we've got uh, Brian and I have our first baby on the way, um, so I am currently 19 weeks as of yesterday. So a lot of the stuff I'm probably going to talk about is going to be some of the horses that I have recently worked with, like over the summer. Um, I am doing some trick training on the ground still with um, Artie and Captain um, and a couple of Brian's horses. So I'm going to share all of that with you because there's a lot you can do on the ground, um, especially if you're willing to get creative. Um, so I'm going to just share with you some of the stuff that I'm going to be doing um, as a way to continue developing my skills. Um, and I think, I think the pregnancy for me will be good because it'll force me to get creative in ways that I probably otherwise wouldn't have. <clears throat> because normally, um, you know, I just, I just love to ride and, and, uh, I love to, to see country on the back of a horse and, um, not just arena riding. I really like to travel and, to ride or go up in the mountains and stuff like that. But I just haven't felt, um, really just kind of haven't felt like it. I just haven't felt great, you know? So I'm, I'm doing more on the ground. So I'm going to share with you, I think today, I'm going to start by sharing with you a story about a horse that I broke over the summer. Um, he came to me, he was uh, four years old when I got him. And I think, I think I got him like, um, in May or June. Anyways, um, he, he came from some friends of mine. Um, I have, you know, I've, I started a cult for them several years ago. Um, they are great people. And um, so they reached out to me and they said, hey, we've got this this guy. He's not very big. Um, you know, he's 14, 14 two hands. Um, we think he'd make a great kid's horse for our grandkids. We'd like you to start him. Um, so I said, sure. I mean, I typically, I will not take a horse from just anybody. Um, I know these people pretty well. 
and um, they know their horses pretty well as um, too. A lot of the times, especially early on in my training, people would bring you stuff <laughs> that would be totally, you cannot take it for what they say the horse is. So somebody could describe this horse as being, you know, he's bomb proof, he's this or he's that. I am telling you to always, always, always evaluate that animal yourself. And you're going to have to completely disregard what they told you on some level because your safety and that horse's safety are absolutely number one, your biggest priority. So anyways, they brought me this horse and, uh, but I, you know, they've always been, um, they've always been pretty accurate when they describe horses to me. So I have a level of trust with them that I don't have with other people, <laughs> to be quite honest. So anyways, I jumped on the opportunity to start a horse for them. I just really like them and the horses that they have. So they bring him to me and he's, um, like I said, he wasn't very big, um, and they wanted to get him hopefully broke and let their, you know, let him be a grandkid's horse. Um, and when I started working with him, um, I didn't have a round pen set up at the time. Um, I could have, but I really just didn't feel like moving the panels and putting them together. So, um, I just put them on, I just basically did groundwork on a lunge line, um, and I used a lot of desensitizing tools like a tarp. I have an old tractor tire. I use that. Um, I mean, anything at all that can be a good stimulus for him. Um, and he was just, um, he was just so laid back. And I thought, oh man, this horse is going to be a, a walk in the park. Um, so anyways, his name is Drago. Um, he's a little sorrel with a flaxen mane and tail, real gentle, easy to catch. I mean, he just, he just seemed like he was already broke on some level, right? And now I know that the owners had done some groundwork with him. Um, so I was pretty excited to get started with this guy. And I'd just get up real early in the morning <clears throat> um, before it got good and hot. And I'd start working all the horses that I needed to do for that day. Um, so after about three weeks, <clears throat> excuse me, three weeks, um, you know, he had been under saddle and doing pretty good. And then he just changed this horse after three weeks. Um, I just, I felt very disappointed. He'd started off so easy and then he just acted like a, a little bit like a different animal. He just kind of came to life. Um, so I was starting to get frustrated with myself cause I thought, gosh, I can usually get further along on a colt in this time frame. but the key word here is usually, Okay. So my knee-jerk reaction to myself was, you know, I'm just not that good of a horse trainer. Um, you know, he just needs somebody else. I'm not qualified. Uh, you know, I just, I obviously don't have the tools, the knowledge, and I just need to accept my failure and go on. Well, then I started to notice that that negative internal dialogue I was having with myself caused me to tense up, um, not just mentally, but physically. Um, I could feel my back tense, my arms and my shoulders. I started getting sore when normally I wouldn't. And then meanwhile, I also noticed that my patience was starting to get thinner and thinner by the minute. So what was actually going on had, you know, it had nothing to do with the horse. Um, I was having a negative emotional response because of my negative thoughts toward myself. So as soon as I realized what I was doing and the conversation I was having with myself, you know, that little voice in your head that tells you you're not good enough. As soon as I was aware that that's what was going on, I was like, well, gosh, okay, Laura, you know, that, that can't be healthy. So, so what are we going to do? Um, 
this this horse started off um, really laid back. I even thought he was going to be lazy. But at this point, um, you know, after three weeks of training, I was, um, you know, I was getting on and, and loping him out in the arena or out in the pasture. Um, and he just started to get real heavy on my hands. What I mean by that is, you know, if I would pick up on the reins um, to ask him just to start to do a little bit of collection or maybe to stop him or just, you're not asking for a whole lot at this stage because he's still so green, but he would just, he just wanted to brace and you could feel it not just like he was leaning into the bridle, but he was just like his neck got stiff, his, you know, his, his spine was stiff and he's just, he'd just brace. Okay. Um, so he had, he had absolutely no natural softness and some horses don't, that that's totally okay. Um, I've had horses that were very sensitive, um, just, you know, just the opposite of this. And if you picked up on the reins that you got a much different response. Um, they just didn't want you touching their mouth hardly. This guy was just the opposite. <laughs> so it's okay. It's not the end of the world. If you find yourself in this position, um, you know, you have highs and you have lows with training. So, you know, the point here is it's okay to have um, minor setbacks. It's okay if you feel moments of disappointment. That's going to happen. Um, and I can teach him to be lighter in the bridle with further training. Um, but it's going to take a little bit longer than I'd hoped for. And, of course, this is where my expectations kind of got me into trouble. Um, I, I wasn't looking at him enough as an individual, right? I was trying to compare him to other colts that I had started um, you know, trying to make a comparison. And I really, I really kind of got myself into a bit of a situation and I had to dial it back and realize, um, he's an individual. He's, he's just different and that's okay. Um, you know, what if, what if the horse looks normal on the outside, but on the inside, something is, is off, you know, like just not quite right. Um, and so something with this horse could be physically off or it could be mentally off or, and even, you know, worse situations. It could be a combination of both, right? <clears throat> so, you know, I'm sure you, you know, you're drawing a parallel of life. <clears throat> we've all been in a situation where we've met a, a person, a human being that we thought, um, you know, they're really, really nice and they seem, they seem completely normal, but I just can't put my finger on it. Something about them is off, you know, they're just a little odd. <clears throat> um, so horses are kind of the same way. I thought, gosh, he he seems like he's doing so good, but something's just off. And I don't know if it's physical. I don't know if it's mental. I don't know if it's me. I don't know if it's a combination of things. But this this horse um, was really struggling to get, I'm trying to remember now, he was really struggling to get, I believe it was his right lead. Um, and he was a big overreactor um, at this point. He had started off so laid back. And at this point, I would ask him to to just ease into a trot or just ease into a lope. And instead of giving me, you know, I would ask for 10%, he would give me 90%. So he was just becoming very reactionary to pressure, not stimulus. Like he wasn't boogery really all that bad at anything. I was already um, shooting blanks and stuff off of him. Um, his owners were mounted shooters. So I figured he'd probably take to it pretty quick because he'd already been around it, which he did. He he really had no issues with it. Um. So anyways, let's, let me dial back and let's review his progress at this point. So like I said, he was really calm in the beginning. Um, super, super laid back. I thought he was going to be very, very lazy. Okay. 
after three weeks of training, and this is going pretty quick because he was just so trusting of me and so laid back that I was very comfortable getting on him without lunging him. I even started hauling him short distances um, to ride. Um, We took him to a friend's house one Saturday. Um, Brian had a roping practice and um, it was a nice big fenced arena and I would just kind of lope in circles on him and stuff and out of the way. Um, I took him to our local lake. We have a fantastic lake here um, with horse trails, um, really nice trails. Brian and I took him, um, Brian took a horse and I took Drago. And we, we rode out there at the lake. It was hot, it's summertime. Um, deer were jumping out of the bush. I mean, there was deer everywhere at this lake. It was gorgeous. And he, you know, never bothered him. Nothing bothered him at all. Um, when we got done, <laughs> it was so hot. I told Brian, I said, I'm just going to, I'm just going to take him into the water. I said, I don't care if I get soaking wet. I, I, I thought ahead and brought a change of clothes. Um, I was in my old rough out saddle. I mean, I was just in a, you know, I didn't mind if my saddle got wet either. And I knew I was just going to have to clean it at some point. So I went ahead and jumped into the lake with him and this horse acted like he was a fish. I mean, he was not afraid of it at all. I mean, granted it was hot and he probably thought it felt really good, but it, I mean, he really did fantastic. Um, I mean, just like an old pro. Um, and all of this without doing any groundwork on him. I mean, he was just a laid back dude, but you know, the further along he got in his training, um, the more he just wanted to kind of run off. Um, and that sounds a little bit dramatic, but you know, like if, let's say I was, um, getting on or walking on a loose rein in a big circle. Okay. When I ask him to ease into a trot, he decides, well, let's just go to fifth gear. You know what I mean? He was always overreacting. Um, and he would, especially on the right lead, he just struggled to get it. He just kept, he kept, um, taking off on the, on the left lead. Um, so when you, you've guys, um, you've got to be very aware of that. And if you don't know what your horse's leads are, you ought to be able to feel it. Um, but you definitely need to know when you're loping a horse, if he's, he or she is on the left or the right lead, you need to have that level of feel. Um, it's important because with this horse, it turned out that um, he needed a major chiropractic adjustment. He was um, really off in his hips. So he was in pain. The horse wasn't picking up that right lead because it, it just wasn't comfortable for him. Um, when I took him to the chiropractor, he was able to even show me. I, I just love um, Dr. Wessel. That's who I took him to. Um, and he is in Okima, Oklahoma. If you haven't tried him out, give him a shout. And I was asking questions and really trying to pay attention. And he was showing me, okay, look, he's, you can see where this hip is a little bit lower. There's more muscle mass on the, on this side than on this side. And once he pointed it out to me, I was like, golly, I feel stupid. Like, <laughs> why didn't I notice that? Um, but that's why we have those professionals. So you need to be aware and have that level of feeling. If you, you know, if you don't know your horse's leads when you're on them, if you can't tell by the feel, then I would recommend looking at their shoulders, okay? When you start off, just just look down at their shoulders without leaning forward and, and getting out of balance. Just look down at their shoulders when they're loping or cantering. And you should be able to see, visually see, which shoulder or which leg reaches further out, okay? That is an indication of what lead they're on. So if they're on the right lead, the right shoulder will make it will reach out just a little bit further. Um, now, if you're on a straight line, it's not going to feel. It shouldn't feel rough or smooth. It should kind of be just okay. I'm just I'm in a canter, and look down and see what lead you're on. Now, if you're in a circle, and it's just really rough for some reason, you're probably on the wrong lead because when your horse is um, what we call counter cantering, so they're 
they're going to the left, they're on a left circle, but they're on the right lead. It is not comfortable. Okay. It's going to feel, it's just not going to feel as good as though you're on the right lead going on the, to a right circle. Um, I hope that makes sense. So if they're on an opposite lead, it's called a counter, counter canner. Um, so that's another way, but just look at their shoulders and you can, you can gauge which one is moving further out. Once you have an idea of that, you need to then challenge yourself to like, just get out there and start riding and start loping and then just, just say, okay, just look ahead. Don't look down and try to feel that horse's body and feel what lead they're on without looking down. So let's say, okay, I'm loping along. Okay. I think that's the right lead. I'm pretty sure that's right. That's what it feels like. Then look down and check and see, okay, is his right shoulder reaching out further? If so, then you are correct. You have got, it's important that you know that for the horse's benefit, especially. Um, if I did not have, um, you know, if I didn't have that understanding or that feel, I could have very well have overlooked the fact that this horse had something off and he needed, he needed some sort of like chiropractic adjustment or medical care or a vet to look at him. Um, so once we got him adjusted, I called the owners and I said, Hey, I think we need to get him looked at. Um, normally when I have a horse this long in training, you know, I can get him picking up their leads just fine. He's really struggling with it. And I wanted to give the horse the benefit of the doubt. Always, always, always start with, is there something wrong with him physically that is causing discomfort or pain? If your horse is in pain, they don't really have a, they can't communicate it the way that a child can, or they can, you know, tug at your shirt and say, my tummy doesn't feel good. You know, a horse, can, a horse can't communicate verbally like that, right? So you've got to be, you've got to be open to other ways of them communicating that they don't feel good. All right. So anyways, I took him to the, um, chiropractor and he adjusted him and I immediately um noticed a difference in him you could he still wanted to favor that left lead which is totally normal but whereas before it would take three or four tries to get him on the right lead he would get it on the first or second try pretty consistently so I was already noticing a difference now with that being said because he had been off for so long um the chiropractor said, you know, we need to probably give him another adjustment in about, I can't remember if he said three weeks or a month. Um, and then my homework was to continue spending, like I was doing about 75 or 80% of my loping on the right lead and basically doing everything going to the right about 75% of the time versus 25% of the time going to the left, because I was trying to strengthen that horse's, um, right side because it had been weak for so long. So it, it's like if you go to the gym and you're, you're, you know, you're lifting weights and you only work, like you only work out one arm, you're only doing curls with one arm, you're gonna have one Popeye arm, and then one that just, you know, <laughs> just real weak. He was the same way. So I mean, it's the exact same concept, right? Um, he ended up, um, after I got to talking to the owners, I said, boy, he really is a pistol. I mean, he really wants to just go, you know, he's not lazy at all. Like I, I thought he was going to be, but, um, anyways, I taught him to bow. He picked it up pretty quick. Um, they, they liked that idea. They thought, well, oh, the grandkids are going to have a blast with that. So, um, anyways, once you teach a horse to bow, you can also teach them to lay down that way. That's much easier. Um, that's where I start with mine as I teach the bow first. 
Um, so anyways, I'm hoping that, um, I get an update soon and they tell me that those grandkids are getting along just fine with them. But apparently after I got to visiting with the owners, I said, man, he really likes to go fast. <laughs> apparently both of his, um, I mean, that was in his bloodlines. I think they said that his, his mom was that way and his dad. I'm not, I'm not really sure. But, um, when I described what he was doing, they're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's just like his mama. So it made me feel better because I had really been like hard on myself thinking, God, I really messed up this horse or what am I doing wrong? Did I scare him? Did I, did I, did I was I too aggressive with my training and caused him to like all of a sudden have all this anxiety? What's the deal? Um, so anyways, it, it turned out that that was really just more bloodline than anything. Um, so he went home and, uh, so basically what I'm trying to share with you guys, a lesson, I guess, in today's, um, podcast is, I mean, every horse is, is totally unique. Be, be aware of your internal conversation that you're having with yourself. I see a lot of people, um, especially your, especially inexperienced riders. No, no, let me take that back. I see it a lot with people that think they're experienced and know more than they do with horses. I see them get frustrated or emotional on some level. Like, you know, they could be angry or they could be scared. Um, and I see them take it out on their horse and the horse, you know, they, they discipline their horse and that's usually like their first response. And the horse has no idea why they're getting, you know, why they're yanking on their mouth or why somebody's spurring them in the rib cage. They don't understand. Um, the more your horse understands you, typically the less anxiety they're going to have and the calmer they're going to be with you. Um, my black horse already is a perfect example. I rescued her. Um, I think I've had her five years now, but when I got her, um, a friend of mine was a police officer in Old Mulgee and, um, she called me. She said, Laura, she goes, what are you doing? I was like, well, it's like Tuesday afternoon. I'm working. What are you doing? <laughs> and she said, there's some horses loose on this dirt road. I tracked down the owner and he said that he didn't want them. And, um, I need help getting them caught. He said, I could just take them. And I said, I said, Kayla, I said, what are you going to do with those two horses? She says, I don't know, but he's just willing to give them to me. And she had a place to keep them. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll go get my truck and trailer and I'll, I'll get them loaded and help, help get them caught and take them to your house for you. So anyway, um, so she had been found out on this dirt road uh, with another horse. It's her in a paint. And, you know, they were in pretty good shape. They weren't just, like, thin. But they were ate up with ticks. They had, um, they were missing hair in a lot of places. Like, she had a skin fungus of some kind. Um, the ticks were really bad. But they, they were just really hard to handle. Um, not the easiest to catch. They were more, da- they were pretty dangerous on the ground, actually. They'd walk all over you. Um, she was real high strung. Um, just, she just wasn't paying any, any bit of attention to me whatsoever. I had zero respect with her. Um, and I didn't like her. I did not like her at all. I mean, it was like, she had her head, you know, it's like trying to halt her a giraffe and she's walking all over screaming and hollering cause she was really, um, her bound. She didn't want to be separated from her buddy at all. Even if it meant, you know, 10 feet away, she would just start having all this anxiety and I told Kayla, I said, you know, she's really young. <clears throat> I can tell by looking at her. I said, if you decide that you don't want her, let me know. Because I've been wanting to get a solid black horse to trick train for film, TV, or, or whatever. I said, but I, I said, she's going to have a lot of issues, a lot of behavioral issues. I said, so, you know, she goes, well, I'm going to try to sell her. I said, hey, I understand. Um, if you change your mind, let me know. 
Well, I can't remember how much time went by. It probably been a couple months. And Kayla called me. She's like, "Hey, she goes, you can just have her if you can. If you can just come get her, you can have her." And I said, "Okay." So um, <clears throat> I went over there and I picked her up and brought her home. And I, honest to God, I was afraid of her in the beginning. Um, but she is so much of a different horse now. I'm not going to go into all of her training right now, but it took me probably. Um, every bit of six months, if not closer to a year to get this horse to where we just had some decent communication. I had her respect. I had her attention. She wasn't going to step on me. Um, she would, she rode awful. I mean, oh my gosh, she was terrible. I did not enjoy working with her for the first six months, probably. Um, in fact, I was a little bit intimidated by her. Um, and now, it's a totally different situation. She's my most fun. I love working with her. She's she's the smartest horse I've ever had, ever been around. My God, she's so smart. Um, she picks up on tricks so much faster. I mean, I taught her to bow in three weeks, I think it was, whereas um, it took Chili. Of course, I wasn't working with Chili every day. It took me a year to teach her took me about eight months to teach captain. Now I, those are the first two I taught. So granted at this point I was starting to pick up on, you know, I was developing my own skill with it. Already learned it in three weeks. Um, I taught her to lay down on cue. <laughs> so funny. Um, she laid down the first time I asked her to, I mean, it was just, I was trying to teach her that cue and boom, she just dropped to the ground. Like she just knew what I wanted. <clears throat> so anyway, what I'm saying here is you can't always judge a book by its cover. Forgive yourself. You're going to make mistakes. Um, whenever you're working with a horse, if you feel yourself getting frustrated or emotional or beating yourself up, you need to take a step back. It's okay. I, I do that sometimes. I'll, um, I would rather end on a good note, making almost no progress with an animal than to, you know, have this expectation and try to push through something or force something to happen that it's just not meant to be. You're going to cause further damage to the animal, um, either physically, emotionally, or both. Um, and you're not doing yourself any favors either. So um, always give the horse the benefit of the doubt. You know, if there's something that they're doing, like they're, uh, they buck um, every time you want to lope, or they're overly cinchy, or they, they crow hop when you pick up the left lead, but only the left lead. You know, you got to... <clears throat> don't don't just assume it's a behavioral issue. Now, it could be. It could be that your horse is just a little delinquent and they're just being an ass. I mean, there's that is perfectly feasible. But go to a professional, send a video, ask for help, get them to the vet. First, elite, um, <clears throat> eliminate that it's something physically wrong with them. And at that point, if the vet and the chiropractor say, hey, man, this horse is fine, um, his teeth been floated. There, we can't find anything wrong. Then you can start looking at it as a behavioral issue. But I, I all too often I see people jump to the conclusion that the horse is just bad. You know that it has something. It's just a jerk, and I, it just needs to be harped on. Look, they're very very sensitive animals. Um, you can typically do a whole whole lot with very very little if you'll allow it to be an easier process. We humans, I think, have the tendency have the tendency to get in our heads and to overthink things. Um, horses are operating on a much more primitive, um, a more primal level. They're, they just, they're just thinking about survival, right? 
So we get into our heads and we just overthink it. And I think that's where a lot of the issues comes from. come from. So I'm going to encourage each of you to just, you know, take a step back if there's something wrong. Get your horse looked at by a vet or chiropractor and just first um, eliminate that as being a potential cause for their behavior. Um, gosh, I need to wrap this up. <laughs> I rambled on longer than I thought. I hope you guys got something out of this. I would love, absolutely love for you guys to send me any questions you have. I love any feedback I can get. I will try to help you any way I can. Um, other than that, have a great week and I have officially completed my first podcast. Woo! All right. So I'll be following up with some videos soon and I hope you guys have a great week.